1: Today on Barca Talk, Coutinho is still out and Paco is gone for good. Fans everywhere are looking for ways to watch a movie. Barca B are struggling while the Barca women are on a streak. And Dembele saved FC Barcelona's first team from a loss in Madrid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me, as always, from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga.
0: Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. Happy Thanksgiving
1: to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Yes, and the fellow Kool-Aids, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. For those of you who aren't in the United States, Thanksgiving is a holiday that we have here on the fourth Thursday of every November where we eat much food. Yes, and also give thanks, right? That's the other important I, thing. Yeah, so. ideally. <laughs> did you know that Abraham Lincoln instituted Thanksgiving as a holiday? No, I did not know that. Trivia.
0: Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how was it? Did you host? You said you we hosted. hosted it. Yeah,
1: we had. We only had two friends over. We've had bigger uh, gatherings, but every year I've lived in Buffalo, I've hosted Thanksgiving because usually I go back to California for Christmas, and so it's just it's just too much to go back to California for both and see my parents and all of them, my family. So we just host it here and have kind of a friendsgiving. Situation, and uh, this year we only had uh, two friends over, which was great. Uh, and we had a, a thirteen-pound turkey, but our two friends who came over were are both vegetarians. And Megan generally is eating vegetarian now, but since we got this turkey from a local farm and it was humanely raised, she was okay with eating it. And uh, I am glad she did because, and she cooked it too, and she did an amazing job. It's it's still juicy, even the leftovers are still juicy. And it's just so delicious. Uh, so that was great. We had amazing stuffing, and I made my first apple pie. I made uh, pie, my homemade pie crust for the first time, which came out great. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a good holiday. I introduced my friends to the legend of Old Greg, the uh, <laughs> best best episode ever of the Mighty Boosh. <laughs> I take it you are familiar, <laughs> Brian. I, I swear to
0: God, sometimes you know, like. You, you you fucking amaze me. Dude, because, like, I, I, I'm like <laughs> what? You like, don't think I watched The Mighty Boosh? No, but like, how does this even work? Because this is a very like niche type of thing, you know. And Oh my god, I freaking love that sketch so much. I'm into
1: some pretty niche things.
0: <laughs> I know, but the fact that you brought it up and I was able, to, you know, to know this is one of those things, you know. So maybe we truly are just brothers, you know. Maybe. Like that,
1: so.
0: Um, oh, my gosh. I love Baileys, you know. So. Oh,
1: creamy, creamy beige. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do for your uh, Thursday? <laughs> yeah, so, so Thursday I just went to dinner with
0: two of my friends, and it was quite lovely. Went to a Basque restaurant in our neighborhood.
1: Oh, nice. Had,
0: had some nice chuletón, which is like just steak. And then on yesterday I went to my uh, American friend's house, Whitney, where she cooked a traditional Thanksgiving meal, which was pretty on point. Uh, we had the traditional stuffed turkey stuffy mashed potatoes. Did she have and an so oven really, big enough for that? Oh yeah, she does. She lives in a proper house.
1: Oh, in like <laughs> in a,
0: in a via? Yeah. Well, on the outside of Madrid where it's more suburbs. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So she, it was about 15 of us too. So it was quite a, quite a good number of us. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it came out really good and, um, definitely only ate once yesterday because I ate so much food so that I'm still working on the, uh. meal from last night basically i haven't eaten yet so after this i'll eat (laughs) cool
1: i have some news for you tell me more megan and i have officially purchased our plane tickets to barcelona in april 2019 wow we're getting that is awesome yeah we're getting in we're risking it a little bit because we're getting into the barcelona airport at like 11 a.m on saturday and okay. we don't know when the game is going to be yet. It might be on Saturday, and I told yeah. her like, "Well, if it is on Saturday, the earliest it'll be is like four fifteen, so we could yeah. still do it." So we're it's a little risky, but that this is what we're doing. Yeah, I mean,
0: I mean, the good thing is you're coming from the East Coast, so it's not that big of a, a flight. You know, it's you know,
1: yeah, just coming over the pond. But we'll check it uh, out. We're going to Reykjavik, and then from Reykjavik to Barcelona. Oh, perfect! Like perfect. you do. <laughs> <laughs> see the northern
0: lights come down to barcelona yeah thing, huh? <laughs> um yeah, I, like the earth yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly uh like you said the game could be at four most likely it's going to be 8 45 just like it was last night here it's just too big of a match especially at the end of the season the teams are still neck and neck for the la liga season
1: yeah so hopefully it's it's in the at night at least and then that'll give us some time to get from the airport to our wherever we're staying, which we still haven't booked yet. But we do have plane tickets, so we will Perfect. be there.
0: Perfect. Let the countdown begin, right? We're like 130 days away or something like this. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Only 130 days away. But <laughs> please join us. Yes. Go to BarcaTalk.net and you can uh, find a link to this awesome travel package that you can get there. Now, in actual news, well, FC Barcelona news, because that's that's big news for us. Here on the show but as far as FC Barcelona news goes uh, looks like Coutinho is still out he trained this week ahead of the Atletico game but uh, Valverde left him off the squad obviously Um, he wasn't finding him quite fit so apparently he's still recovering from a torn muscle but at least he's training and we might even see him against PSV on Wednesday
0: I would I would hold him out a little bit longer just to make sure you know because hamstrings are the worst because you just never know how strong it is because you know when you're walking it feels perfectly fine but until you actually sprint you can know how much you can push it then that's when you really know uh there's always a lot of flare-ups with hamstring pulls and so forth and so i would you know definitely want to be on the more cautious side especially since we have such a long season he's so important to our lineup so If anything, if he's completely 100%, then yeah, put him in the PSV, maybe come in as a sub. Like I'm always a proponent of that. If you come up from injury, come in as a sub, and then get some minutes that way, and then kind of get slowly put into the team. But to jump in as a starter, kind of iffy on that, because the last thing we want to see is just how that flare up, especially uh, from last night's game, we had some more injuries as well.
1: Yeah, now do you think that it's uh, an issue of there not being enough string or not enough ham? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I, at first i thought you were gonna ask me a serious question said, hey. <laughs> no i know it's i'm good. not serious <laughs> definitely ham too much ham too much ham <laughs> well we definitely saw too much ham in in uh, louis suarez's foot last night but no. uh in other news uh you're you're not gonna like this i'm sure you already know though uh Borussia Dortmund has officially bought the contract for Paco El from Barcelona on a permanent basis. Uh, So far, the German club have paid 23 million euro in the deal overall. And a series of add-ons could see that total rise to 30 million euro. But of course, we saw this coming. Still, we're disappointed about it. I know you're especially disappointed about it.
0: Well, I'm not that disappointed about it. I'm just, you know, I just wish he was on our team to create more depth, right? And as we can see, just by more playing time and opportunities, he's taken that, you know, and I'm, I like that in a player. You know, he didn't see any playing time in the last two seasons with Barcelona. And now just getting some more playing time, you can see he has nine goals in the Bundesliga. And for me, I like watching this team because of their attacking style, but also because uh, Christian Pulisic, the American, is on that team. And so Dortmund is riding high right now. They're the leaders in the Bundesliga. They have a good, formidable attacking lineup, and then they bring Paco in for as a sub, and he's been been able to deliver. So, again, nine goals this season. It just would have been nice if Alverde could have used it him better uh, to give Suarez more of a break, and then we wouldn't lose uh, maybe a goal output like that. So... Yeah, I'm proud of Paco just because he was able to take his opportunity. And now you can see the output that he's doing. You know, I'm not saying if he would have been at Barcelona, he would have scored nine goals, but maybe he could have scored us two or three just to give Suarez a little bit of break and just kind of have that rotation, as we say, because there's so many matches that Barcelona plays. So good on Paco for taking that opportunity, and we'll see how he does for the rest of his career at Dortmund for the next four years.
1: Yeah, and you know, it, it makes me wonder I almost feel like Munir has seen more minutes this season than Paco had at this point last season. I might just be imagining it. I haven't, you know, I haven't done the math because I hate math, but uh, it seems like Munir has gotten more minutes and had Paco gotten those minutes instead. I just can't help, but feel like we would have gotten more goals instead of just, you know, the one that Messi scored off of Munir's foot. (laughs) The old mini golf play, right? Right. Off the the, the foot.
0: No, you have a good point because it does seem like Munir has been getting more minutes again We have so many matches. I just feel that last year with Valverde, like knowing how many matches, how many minutes are available. Why doesn't he just give more opportunities like that? Because if you do that, everyone is, you know, interested in trying to help the team when they're called upon. And depending on injuries, you know, this always happens every year. We have so many games and I just don't understand why he just couldn't incorporate Paco or even Munir to that point to give more time because Suarez is important and he does need rest. We can see, you know, what he did when Messi's absence. He was able to carry the team with the with the scoring and so forth. So preserve it and give Munir the opportunity so you can transition in the future, maybe.
1: Yeah, now our final news item, last Thursday was the fourth anniversary of Messi breaking Telmosara's record as La Liga's all-time top scorer. And Ronaldo has also at this point broken Sara's record in La Liga. But now that he's out of the league, Messi just keeps pulling ahead. He broke out his record of 251 goals with a hat-trick against Sevilla in 2014. And this has been celebrated by both the club and La Liga in social media channels. And he's currently at 392 goals in La Liga, the most of all time by 81 goals over CR7. So far this year, he has nine goals in La Liga, which is level with Luis Suarez. And as it turns out, Paco Alcácer in in the uh, (laughs) Bundesliga.
0: I mean, this is an incredible output of goals because, you know, back in the day, Brian, when I used to follow like the English Premier League, I used to kind of follow Arsenal back in the day. You know, having a 15 to 20 goals season was considered world class. You know, this type of Still outfit. is, really. I mean, exactly, right? And we've just been so spoiled by Messi and obviously the other guy uh, <laughs> with their output. It's an incredible standard. You know, But we're going to look back and see, you know, This is so hard to do. I mean, you saw last year what Mo Salah was able to do. He was able to kind of be neck and neck with Messi and the other guy. And, uh, you know, you can see this season he hasn't had that kind of output. I mean, it's all depending on chances, luck. It's a lot of things that go into it, right, Um, opportunity. And you can see just by one year off, Salah hasn't had the same year. So it's very difficult to duplicate. And the ability that Messi and the other guy have been able to do for the last 10 years with the goal output has just been incredible.
1: Yeah, and you remember that one year when Messi scored something like fifty goals? Exactly, that was insane. Exactly. I mean, last year he scored thirty-four, which is still incredible. It is. I 34, mean, 37, something like that.
0: Yeah, and you can see, you know, obviously with the amount of minutes, games that Messi has, but the way his you know conversion rate is so high on one-on-ones and opportunities, it's incredible. So we've definitely been spoiled. I mean, he's obviously the best player for me of all time, and. Every time when I still watch YouTube videos, and just like we saw, I saw the movie Take the Ball, Pass the Ball, and you see those highlights and those moments. It's incredible what he's done through his career. And, you know, he's probably going to come close to 500 goals at the end of his career. It's oh. crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Well, Can you also, believe that right?
1: number, that 392 number, that's just in La Liga. So that's not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's not all. counting the other ones Champions League, Copa del Rey. I mean he, uh, at, at the
0: at the end of his career he's going to be the best La Liga player of all time. They're going to name a trophy after him. They're going to have all these other things after him. Yeah. And he will get to the 500 mark. I mean, it's not that, you know, it's not that far fetched. What if La they Liga.
1: renamed the Pichichi the Messi? I like it. <laughs> I mean, that would be a huge shakeup cuz, you know, it would be a huge shakeup. You know, you you kind of want to leave it. It's kind of like, yeah, there there have actually been better pitchers than uh, um Cy Young. Cy Young at this yeah, point. Yeah. But they still call it the Cy Young Award because, you know, it's historical. So, actually, I'm not sure if I would advocate for that. But, you know, there would be a case for it. Yeah, there would be a case. case And also maybe just,
0: yeah, maybe come up with a new award for it. You know, maybe like the new MVP award or something like that. But, again, after his career is going to be done, he is going to be considered the best player in La Liga history.
1: Oh, easily. Yeah. Actually, I think they should create the award named after Messi that's essentially completely unattainable and no one ever wins it. (laughs) <laughs> there you go there but you go. they talk about it every year like uh again this year nobody won it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly good clue. <laughs> we'll take a short break and when we return we'll talk about the new barcelona documentary barca b and barcel women We're back for more Barca Talk. Now, you mentioned uh, take the ball, pass the ball. So we and Barcelona fans everywhere have all been talking about this new documentary about the four years that Pep Guardiola managed the team. And the thing is, it's only been officially released in Spain, the U.K., and the Netherlands, and it's left the rest of us looking for ways to watch it. I got a link from one of our listeners, but that link is no good now. And so I still haven't seen it because I didn't use it. I could have seen the movie had I used that quicker. But you've actually seen the movie at this point, right?
0: Yeah, I did. I saw from one of the links as well that we got from one of our listeners. And and it was pretty good. You know, it was very entertaining. Um, As I spoke in the Patreon bonus episode on Thursday, uh, it was very – it brought back a lot of great memories because that – uh, you know, those four years were just amazing. And I kind of came away with two things from it. One of them, I still can't believe we lost to Inter Milan in 2010. <laughs> the, the Champions League, that still kind of haunts, uh, you know, that kind I, I just think we could have had three Champions League in that in that era, which would have just really marked it as a, a even better era than it already was. And also, I would have liked to see more Pep interview, because they only put some segment at the end of the movie. And also, just to maybe do more tactical analysis of some of the matches because I, that's the thing I'm the most interested with Pep because, you know, everyone knows that he wasn't the, maybe not the greatest communicator with some of the players, especially like Samuel Eto'o. If you watch any of his quotes and so forth, he had a different experience than maybe Messi or Henri or any of those other players that Pep liked. But also I just wanted to see more of a deep dive of maybe more tactical analysis of the big matches, but it, Overall, it was a really great movie. Uh, it flowed; it was good, and it went backwards. So, it went from twenty twelve backwards, and it was really cool to see all the, you know, the great moments. And you know, it was just amazing.
1: Well, you know, I'll tell you if you want to talk about tactical analysis of specific games, I I still haven't read it because I, I haven't gotten a copy, my copy yet. But uh, going back to the interview we did a few weeks ago with Jonathan Wilson, who just had th- this new book come out in the in the states. It's already out in the UK, uh, called The Barcelona Legacy or the Barcelona Inheritance, depending upon where you buy it. Uh, I imagine he gets into some pretty good tactical analysis. And they they did also produce a podcast to support the book. It's six episodes. Each one is about a specific game, most of them under Pep, Pep Games. And they really get into it. So um, for you, and I'm, I know that you've already listened to that podcast, but for anyone else who's interested in more in-depth tactical analysis like Gabriel is you should definitely check out that podcast and and probably that book. And it, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer. You know, documentaries are – you're usually not going to get a lot of technical analysis in a documentary.
0: I mean the other thing too is just, you know, as we've been getting comments from viewers or from our listeners and stuff about this movie, you know, this was a really bad opportunity missed by the, the people that made the film because like we talked about is if they would have put this on YouTube and just had people pay within $1 or $5 and made it – worldwide available I think it would have been a no-brainer you know there's only 500,000 plus Kool-Aids in the world you know so I don't (laughs) you know and the ability you know everyone wants to watch it that's the thing everyone wants to watch it maybe it's part of their demand of this but you know everyone is circulating bad links and so forth so it's really difficult to see the the movie and again you know how long you know we all want to watch it just to kind of be nostalgic about that time and it was really well done and I highly recommend it, but it would have been amazing just to have the availability like on YouTube Plus, for example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it shouldn't be hard for you because it has actually been released in Spain. But for us here in the U.S., they don't even have a U.S. release date scheduled at this point.
0: I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? Just the idea that it's kind of in partnership with FC Barcelona, that they got all the permission because they know it's an English speaking documentary to help even promote the brand and not include the U.S. market, which is what maybe the only biggest market in the world. Right. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like marketing 101. So, well, I I don't know about the numbers in Asia, but but hasn't been released in Asia either, you know. That's, that's the
0: point. It's just missed opportunities, right? And again, just putting it on a platform, Amazon Prime or Netflix or something where everyone can get it is just a missed opportunity to get your money back from the movie and also just expand the, the audience. Again, FC Barcelona's one of their mantras is to expand to the U.S. And this is a great way, right? Because everyone that we've been getting comments from is from the States, mo- most of them, and they can't watch it. And so... You know, buy these illegal downloads. They're missing out on money where they can get it back.
1: Yeah, because most of us would be more than happy to pay two ninety nine or three ninety nine just to rent it, and maybe even more to just to buy it through Amazon Prime or whatever. Exactly. So, I mean, like, how hopefully- much would Netflix give them for it? Probably a, a good amount, I would think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, on YouTube, you can just pay. It's a pay-per-view type of thing that you could do. That's super easy. Yeah. But again, you know, I I hope you get to see it soon because it, do, it it will bring back. You'll probably cry because of the Javi stuff. I mean, the Javi stuff is there's like a say there's like they basically break it down to chapters, basically. Like, I think it's five or six chapters and one of them is just about Javi. And it's it's amazing. Uh, it's really good stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm totally going to cry
1: over that. <laughs> In Segunda B action, we have Max Bluer now to bring you up to date with
2: Barca B. Plenty of games have happened since our last chat, with Barcelona having drawn one one home to Club Deportivo Ebro, been eliminated from the Copa Catalunya by Sant Andreu, lost away to Teruel, and beaten Cornea 2-1 at the Mini Stadion last weekend. While just before recording this, the boys drew 0-0 away to Atletico Levante. So as you can see, only one win to celebrate recently, the victory over Cornea being the only one in seven matches. And there was one man in particular who Coach Garcia Pommiento will be thanking for getting the team back on track. Carles Elena has played in four of the team's five victories this season. While of their 20 points, 15 were won in games in which the Barcelona born midfielder participated. He's the team's second top scorer, with three strikes from midfield, and is clearly the man around whom the play revolves. As Mundo Deportivo puts it, Barça Bay have a case of Elena Dependencia. All of which would be great if Elena were a Barça Bay player. But come January, there's a distinct possibility he will be a fully fledged member of the first team. Talks are scheduled for December between the player and the club when they will decide whether he'll sign a first-team contract and thus be ineligible to play for Barca Bay anymore. Alenia has been in the last four of Valverde's matchday squads, coming on in two games, and he seems to be earning himself a place in the first-team plans. Meanwhile, several of his competitors for a place in the midfield three do not look sure of their places in the squad. Lavinia picked up a long-term injury against Atletico. Denis Suarez seems to have been invited to leave the club in January, while there have been murmurings recently that the club do not feel Coutinho has lived up to his 140 euros price tag. Meanwhile, Dembélé and Malcolm, who aren't midfielders but nevertheless sometimes take Alenya's place in the eleven, have had their problems this year. Malcolm has been ineffective on the pitch, and Dembélé, well, none of us need reminding of the disciplinary issues he has had in recent months. It looks more and more like Alenya is playing his final games at the Barcelona B. The obvious candidate to step into his role is Ricky Puig, the boy we've been raving about since pre-season when he lit up the tour to the States. Has to step into the shoes of Alenya and run games from midfield. Yet, despite the sombreros and the neat tricks and flicks that look wonderful on a highlights reel who all too often finds himself unable to impose himself on games and dominate the midfield. Of course, he is only 19 and barely has three months of senior football under his belt. He will undoubtedly learn how to bend games to his will. But for now, Ricky needs to grow into his role as the focal point of Barca Bay's midfield. The talk of promoting him to the first team needs to be nipped in the butt. As does, for very different reasons, talk of Ricky going to Spurs. The British rag The Sun has gotten itself all excited by Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino attending the Cornea game particularly as the London club had allegedly been in the hunt for Ricky back in the summer, before he signed a new contract. But let's not get too worried about this. For one thing, Ricky has not shown the slightest inclination of leaving Barca. The only reason he could have for doing so would be first-team football, but that would make little sense if he were to go to Spurs, as he would have almost as many central midfielders ahead of him in the pecking order, at White Hart Lane, as he does at the Camp Nou. Moreover, Pochettino was in town anyway for a conference, and to catch up with some old mates from back when he lived in Barcelona as an Espanyol player. And during an international break, with no La Liga on, why wouldn't he stop by to see the latest batch emerge from La Masia? It's a big jump from keeping an eye on Puig and others to actually trying to sign him. So although he rightly seems a long way from the first-team spot at the moment, we can sleep soundly that Ricky Puig is unlikely to be abandoning us all anytime soon. One guy who we might be seeing in the first team in the not-too-distant future, though, is Musa Wage. Sergio Roberto's hamstring injury has left Valverde with a frankly rubbish Nelson Semedo as his only fit right-back. Wage has performed excellently since breaking into the side after sorting out his Vija issues last month, particularly in the recent game against Cornea, in which, according to Mundo Deportivo, he was the Aston principal threat in attack. Not too shabby for a right-back. It wasn't Wage, though, who was the match-winner against Cornea. Wingan Carlos Perez was the man who opened the scoring with a header from a corner, before setting up the second goal for Abaduriz midway through the second half, with some excellent wing play to beat his man and put it on a plate for the young striker. But it was back to the same old for this weekend's game. A nil nil draw against the stubborn Atletico Levante side they take after their first team in that respect was back to the bad old days of two weeks ago. Tons of possession, but zero penetration. Balu and Perez were subdued on the wings, Abaduriz had little service up front, and Ricky was again unable to control the game as he would have liked. His midfield teammate, Alex Coelho, did make a couple of penetrative runs through the middle of the park, but overall the boys just lacked the spark and invention necessary to break down teams like this. The game ended in a horrible fashion too. That our centre-back Ronald Araujo knocked unconscious after an unfortunate collision with the opposition goalkeeper. He left the ground unconscious in an ambulance, but the club has since then released a statement saying that he has regained consciousness and will return to Barcelona once the hospital gives him the all-clear. At least next week, the boys return to the home comfort of the minia Estadi with their clash against Valencia B. Although the dynamic doesn't look too good right now, a winner would leave them with seven points from their last nine and probably a spot in the playoff places. That was Max
1: Bluer. Barca B will play again next Saturday against Valencia's second team. Now, turning to the women in the Liga Ibodrola, they won the last two matches, including beating Atletico Madrid 2-1. to Aitana Bonmati and Tony Dugan scored the goals. Then, in the middle of last week, the women beat Real Sociedad 5-2, to with two goals from Lika Martins, another two from Tony Dugan, and the fifth from Aitana. They're still sitting in second place, one point behind Atletico, despite beating them weekend before last. In the Copa de la Reina round of 16, the first leg was on Sunday and they beat Real Sociedad again in a 2-0 win this time with goals from Alexia and Tony Dugan. The women's next game will be a week from Sunday in the Liga Iberdrola against UDG Tenerife, who are currently in sixth place. After the break, we break down the draw at the Wanda Metropolitano. All right, we're back, and Gabriel, what's going on in Madrid? Real Madrid lost three nothing to Avar over the weekend, and I saw, I only saw the highlights, but with each with each goal in the highlight, I got a little giddier and giddier. But I thought you, were, I thought uh, Madrid was fixed.
0: So did I. I thought you know Solari was the you know the answer to all their prayers and everything. The second coming the new, of Zidane, exactly the new the new Zidane. You know the Argentine Zidane and. It was funny because yesterday at the Thanksgiving lunch, I was at my friend Luis, who did one of our segments in the Camp No special. He's more of a, I would say, Barca diehard fan than I am. Like, he will leave the party early to go watch the match, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, he'll just be like, I don't care about the party or the food. I'm going to watch the match. Whereas I'm a little bit more flexible, right? So I'm, I'll stay for the party and I'll watch the match either later or the next day. But anyway... Uh, he was giving me the updates about this match. He was just like, Ibar one. I was like, what? And then Ibar, two. We were just <laughs> laughing, right? So, And I just watched the sports segment, and it's funny because, you know, Sergio Ramos is saying that it's an attitude problem, and Solari was saying it's not an attitude problem. So there's already problems in paradise. I love it. It's a it. Sergio Ramos problem? <laughs> it's a Sergio Ramos doping problem is what it is.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if you heard. There was a... Uh, Uh, article that came out that said Ronaldo and Ramos were linked to a doping uh, firm here in Europe and so now that's being investigated so
1: I saw that Ramos was I didn't see Ronaldo was part of that yeah Ronaldo was named in as well but Ramos was the main guy oh man whoops seems like everything's just sort of falling apart around those guys yeah I know I mean our guys like to be honest our guys have issues with taxes but at least they don't have problems with doping and sexual assault (laughs) that we know of but
0: I have to let you know that every celebrity here in Spain has problems with taxes. It doesn't matter if you're a footballer or a singer. It's just it's crazy, the tax situation here. So but yes, you are right. Our team does have problems, but we
1: don't have those type of problems. Right? Is it fair to say that Spain has problems with taxes? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Because they change the laws every six weeks. and Well, it's not only that, but you also have to pay every month. Wow. Right? Yeah.
0: So, like, you know, in the States, you can, if you're a corporation, basically, not to get into tax law about this, but, you know, you can, you can, you <laughs> this can. Is, this
1: is our new exciting podcast. Yeah. No, no. You can, you can Spanish spread out tax can, law.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can, well, you can spread it out, right? Like, you pay on April 15th, but you can also have extensions where here you have to pay monthly. Wow. And if you don't pay between three months, you get penalized. And obviously, you can it's a lot more difficult to hide the money here.
1: Right. Well, anyway, uh, so that was not exciting. Let's talk about, (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about football and let's talk about our, uh, our draw with Atletico Madrid. There's a big match coming in, you know, uh, Atletico were only one point behind us. We went to the Wanda and uh, we got a one, one draw out of it, which is good given that Atletico scored first, but let's, let's go back to the beginning. So from the lineup, Umtiti was back, and Rakitic was finally getting a rest with his uh, his red card suspension.
0: So I was, like I said, you know, I was yesterday with my friend Luis, and of course he was giving me the lineup first, and we were kind of were analyzing this and. I definitely thought that Longley was going to get the start just because of how he's been playing. And this was a big match away just to kind of ease and TT into maybe the next game as a sub. So that was the, the biggest surprise for me. And then also, like I said in the bonus episode, I thought definitely we were going to go into a 4-4-2 just because without Rakitic, I thought for sure being away and how conservative Valver- Valverde is, I thought for sure we're going to go into a 4-4-2 and, and seeing uh, Roberto at first, I definitely thought that was going to help us in the midfield. With somato in the back as well. Again, that's really great to see Umtiti come back, and also Rakitic getting the break because, as you saw in this match, you know everyone likes to clamor that Rakitic doesn't do anything. But wow, I mean, what what was more boring? Uh, my conversation about tax law or the seventy five minutes of this match, Brian?
1: <laughs> well, the seventy five minutes of the match did last seventy five <laughs> minutes, <laughs> but I'd still say it was your what you said about tax law yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because well i mean my take on especially the first half was that it wasn't boring it was just uneventful there were there were yeah. something like 15 fouls in the first half but zero shots on goal so there was a lot of tension in yeah, the game yeah, but there just weren't any shots and so you know there weren't any major events in that way but it i didn't find it boring It was just uneventful. This is the thing, Brian. You know, we've kind of talked about,
0: you know, especially coming from last year, trying to understand Valverde's tactics, his, you know, for big games, what he wants to do. And obviously he always wants to be more conservative, especially away for big matches, right? So that's what he's going to do. But again, with Atletico, they are so good at what they do. You know, they are the kings of the 4-4-2. So why are we going to try to fight them in their own style, in their own backyard with this style? I mean, it just doesn't fit us. I wanted to see either the four three three again, and this four four two wasn't really a four four two. was almost like a four five, and then Suarez all alone by himself, lonesome in the, <laughs> the attacking third, hoping to get long balls and to try to get a shot on goal. I mean, you know, Valverde has to know that we are a better team, and we should impose our style onto their style, and they're going to do the same vice versa. But you can still be conservative in a four three three.
1: True. And what I found strange about the whole thing wasn't, I mean, the the formation, that was one thing. I mean, let's talk about Sergi and Semedo on the right side, because I, on when I first saw the lineup, I was encouraged because I felt like, oh, OK, we've got Sergi Roberto in the midfield. Like he'll you know, he can do some good stuff. He can get forward. He can do some things. Um, but it turned out that the the strategy was more for him to back up Semedo so that we had essentially two right backs <laughs> equaling the strength of one really good right back. Yeah. I mean,
0: this is the thing. If you look at that lineup that we had last night, you know, with Vidal, Busquets, Artur, and Sergio Roberto, out of those four guys, who scares you as an attacking kind of midfielder to take chances? I Maybe mean, Sergio Roberto a little bit? But a little bit. No. Yeah, but, you know, they each have their own – roll essentially and none of this is really going to break anyone one-on-one to attack right so therefore Messi had to come in the whole time and come and get the ball and bring it up to Suarez right and I mean how many times did you see that Suarez would receive the ball and he would look around and there was nobody around him and he was good enough to win corner kicks which is pretty awesome to do you know considering the defense that led to go ahead but again it's just so tiring and there's no balance, you know, when this kind of four nation and I like you have a good point there. It was almost as like we had two right backs to fill that void that we've been having the last couple of weeks on defense.
1: It did make Barcelona look more solid on defense, though. The few times that Atletico were getting ahead or, you know, getting forward in the first half and the opening parts of the second half, I never felt nervous because, you know, how sometimes we sort of we commit a lot of men forward and then. We get a counter, and it starts to look really scary. And often we will luck out, but more often than not, I at least felt like I was never nervous. In at least in the first half, things, of course, started opening up more in the second half. But in the first half, they were both both teams were being very cagey. Yeah, right? it was like watching a sparring match. No one wanted to commit too many people forward they were both playing pretty defensively and that's exactly what made it so uneventful but it was also a really chippy first half and that's why there were so many fouls
0: i mean it's always going to be chippy with go, right i mean right. that's just how they play that you know they're they're i always equate them to you know a heavyweight boxer that's you know it's almost like a street fight right and so you have to find ways to not Outslug them per se, but just kind of outquick them, right? Especially with our players, we have good speed. We're, I would say, we're more technical on the ball with passing and so forth. So we can use that to our advantage. But if we go to a four-four-two and we're trying to dominate that midfield like as we were trying to do, and not give up opportunities, that's what happens in the first half. Yeah, it's uneventful, but at the same time, I just think there's opportunities missed by not implementing our style where we can go after the game. That's it. For that, you know, like I just I get bored by that kind of style, especially when we just knock it around and there's no gain. Because you know the idea we want to score goals as more, you know, I know it's maybe I'm not saying it always has to be aesthetically like the most pleasing thing, but I also want to go after it a little bit and be, uh, especially away at Atlético when this game has a lot of you know three points is three points huge right now
1: in the table. Yeah. Now, what did you think of Valverde's substitutions? I mean. What's he, what's he doing, Brian?
0: <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I, it's so confusing to me because, you know, he – like I was saying to you before, this whole two weeks, the Spanish media have been bombarding Dembele, right, for what he does or doesn't do and, and so forth. But as you see, he's super important. And when Atletico scores that goal, he throws in Malcolm and Dembele is kind of a last resort type of thing. I mean, it worked out that we were able to save – the the game and get the point but at the same time there's just it always seems it's just more luck than him trying to analyze it for example why didn't he put dembele at halftime don't you think dembele would have made a huge difference having more balance especially with the sergio roberto injury right using that opportunity to maybe put a player or malcolm or dembele that's a little bit more attacking to give us more balance up top but no he put another midfielder he had two weeks to prepare and this is what he came up with right (laughs)
1: I mean that's the other thing. Well, this is I think a recurring pattern with Valverde, which is that he wants to stick to his original plan. And clearly his original plan was a 442, which, you know, by necessity wound up being like you, like you said, more of a 451. But he wanted to really maintain that 442. So that's why he put Rafinha in for Sergio Roberto rather than changing things up at the second half. It's only once we get scored on or mm-hmm. I think he would have been happy to maintain a 4-4-2 and a scoreless draw. He would have been perfectly happy to do that, but since Atletico scored, then he felt like, okay, now we have to do something different. So it's almost like he's waiting for his hand to be forced. That's that's him. That's his thinking. Yeah. That's a
0: good point. I mean, but again, we have the players and the talent to impose our will on these teams. I mean, again, we are not Hitafe. You know, this is the the thing, you know, we have really great players on the bench to change the game. And that is what we're trying to do, especially at this batch. Like you can honestly see that, uh, you know, Atletico is trying to be conservative as well. They're defending. That's their style. Like there's no they won't do anything different. You know, they've been doing this under Simeone for so many years. But we can do a lot of things, a lot of flexibility and still maintain a a good defensive line and also have some opportunities for Suarez and have some help with them. You know, the thing is, if we don't take any shots on goal, we're not going to score any goals. I mean, as simple as that. Right. That's
1: uh, that's basic logic. Science. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, <laughs> as as the great Gretzky once said. That's a good point. Or Thank you, Gretzky. It's, it's attributed to him. I don't know if he's the one who coined it. But anyway, uh, going back, so second half, right? Uh, Sergio Roberto had to come out with an injury. It looks as though uh, you – heard the report that he's going to be out three to four weeks that is correct another hamstring issue as well yeah so just like those creamy hamstrings yeah I don't know what's going on I don't know what's going on over there so then Valverde puts Rafinha in for Sergio Roberto another midfielder and the second half starts off very similar to the first half but things start to open up and Atletico especially starts to push a little bit more they didn't have a single corner kick during the entire first half, even though Barcelona had, I believe, four in the first half, then they finally get a corner kick, and Diego Costa scores in the 77th minute. He this is his first goal of the season for Atletico.
0: post headed off stage in fingers. His debut goal of the season, and it might be good enough for the win. You know, of course, after six months of not scoring, he scores against us. Right that that was my that was my initial reaction. I was watching this at this bar. With some friends and and they were making fun of me because there were so many atletico fans and i was the only barca fan basically essentially here and my friends were just pointing out they're like look how serious you are look at diego costa he's so good and i said stop talking to me <laughs> but again there's just a couple of things with this play you know uh Rafinha got stuck defending diego costa obviously a huge height advantage you know looking at the replay maybe Ter Stegen could have done better but as i had here and I've watched a couple of replays, it looked like a changeup, you know, like in baseball, where I think Ter Stegen thought the ball was going to come off faster and harder. And it kind of delayed his reaction because it was coming slower and not as hard. Right. So uh, Ter Stegen kind of made a flail attempt out of it, but again, Atletico, this is their this is their MO, man. It's it's tough defense and set plays all day, all night. They, that's what they do. And obviously, when they play uh, teams that are not as good talented than with them, they can definitely score in the open field. But set plays, ever since Cholo Simeone has been the manager, that is what they've been focused on. And again, on corners. Like I said, they are the type of team that throw elbows all around. They make it so difficult to defend, and it was a really good play. And as soon as I saw Diocosa getting open there, I said, oh, God, that's trouble. And he was able to convert and finally get out of that uh, goal drought that he's been in.
1: Right, so then Atletico goes ahead, and now, now Valverde's hand is pushed, right? Now he decides, I'm going to shake things up. In the interim, Rafinha takes an injury. So now he's injured as well. Hurt his uh, hurt his ACL apparently, but he did keep playing. This
0: poor guy, you know, he. I mean, it comes out that he just tore his ACL, you Uh, know, which is incredible, right? He tore his ACL, so he's going to be out for at least six to eight months now. You know, like I said, those Alcantara ligaments, man, they don't. There's something lacking in their ligaments, collagen. I don't. I have no idea, but. Um, and he was able to finish the match, which was pretty incredible. So we were basically playing a man down because he was hurt. You know, for I mean, this is a legitimate injury. And again, I just feel that Valverde looks at the bench. He's like, oh, "Who we got? Uh, 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 Malcolm, put Malcolm, get in there." And he just like <laughs> throws him in and He's like, "Oh yeah, we have Dembélé. Oh, uh Dembélé, come in." and He just throws him in, and it just happened to be luck more than strategy or tactical thoughts You know what I'm saying? Right. He put them in with like five minutes left. And as I told you before, Brian, it's super difficult to become a sub. And Dembele's done this all year. He's come as a sub. He's saved us in five matches already with late game winners. And again, he did it again. And I mean, again, Brian, I can't stress this enough. Is it coincidence that we have balance when Dembele comes, that it's difficult to defend? Because you saw the pass that Messi gave to Dembele, which was amazing he was able to put his little toe right through those two defenders and Dembele was wide open because why because Dembele was occupying the right space that wasn't being occupied all game long and of course Dembele was cold-blooded with that little pump fake shot and he went right through Oblak's feet or legs and of course was able to tie the match and I don't know what to say Brian I mean we need him I mean we definitely need him going forward.
1: Yeah. And you know there were other times earlier on like in the first half when Sergio Roberto was still okay where there was all this space out on the right-hand side and he could have like Sergi could have run into that space and there was some you know maybe messy with the ball he could have put it out there but he wasn't making any runs. No one was making any runs into that space. And I got really I was getting really frustrated but of course I understand that it's because Valverde's strategy, you know, his instructions to the team were not to do that and that probably to sergi in particular was to you know don't be a hero <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: make sure your first job is to rotate the ball in midfield and cover Samedo on defense I that's mean, it but i there was one moment in particular where i was just like oh come on sergi just run into that run into it but he wouldn't and that's okay because he was following he was he was just following orders
0: I, I understand that. I totally understand. And the other thing, too, is because, you know, this isn't your typical 4-4-2, right? You know, as we look across the way, Atletico plays a typical 4-4-2. They have a striker matchup. Griezmann and Costa and both those players don't come in as deep as Messi to receive it and that's part of the problem right Messi comes in so deep Suarez is all by himself now if you had a true 4-4-2 then you wouldn't need Sergio Roberto to overlap and occupy those spaces all the time because then you would have a true two striker up there to to hold the point but with Messi because we need him to play make we need him to assist he has to come in and poor Suarez is all by himself but more to the point, you know. I have a question for you. Do you think Valverde's favorite color is gray? (laughs) Could be, maybe beige, maybe creamy beige. (laughs) Oh my gosh! I, you know, he's like, especially with the amount of time he had to set up this, you know, the tactics, the formation, the strategy for this, and to come out with this, it's like, you know, it's almost like a chef, you know, having three days to prepare a meal and it's just, you know, porridge,
1: right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) yeah. Well luckily dembele showed his quality again and also i want to say not only was messi's pass on that play amazing but dembele's hesitation before he made his finish was you know what that was primo football it was hashtag it (laughs) messi tries to fire down keeps it alive dembele second
0: it was Primo football because normally anyone else would have just shot it first time exactly. from that get-go. And then the you know, maybe playing FIFA, he was able to develop that move. But I mean again, <laughs> you think about all the game winners he scored for us this season coming off the bench like that. And again, Brian, there's no coincidence that when he comes off the bench, we switch the formation, he occupies that space, and automatically we have more open opportunities. And that's because the defense doesn't know where to focus because Messi occupies so much and all of a sudden they look and there's oh my god there's dembele who's got crazy ass speed goal you know
1: <laughs> and he's got so, sick dance moves he does and he's got great finishing and he's really good at Fortnite. Apparently. yeah <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now also i did i also thought that malcolm injected a lot of energy in the in the attack he wasn't in really involved in dembele's goal but as soon as he came on there was just a lot more intensity. He was running hard. He was coming back. He was pickpocketing. He was, you know, creating counterattacks. He was putting a lot of energy that uh, was not on the field before him.
0: As soon as we started chasing the match, that's what exactly happened, right? We needed Malcolm to create that energy. We started getting more counter opportunities. And I had a good feeling that because, you know, that proverbial switch came on that we were chasing the match, that we definitely had a good opportunities to tie the match. And that's what happened. And like you said, Malcolm... Like I said, I want to go to a 433 just especially if Coutinho's injured. Let's put Malcolm Suarez and Messi or, you know, Dembele, Suarez and Messi or some sort of combination like that because you can see with Malcolm's energy that he wants to prove to Valverde that he wants to play, how good he was pressing when we didn't have the ball and that really made a big difference at the end of the match.
1: Yeah, because if if you aren't getting the attacking opportunities that you want and you're a forward, you know, you can always get some good favor from the manager by Coming back and helping to defend and, you know, uh, putting pressure on the uh, other team and trying to at least win the ball back and showing that you're out there to work hard. In the post-press
0: conference, uh, when he was asked about Dembele, Valverde basically said it's up to Dembele Mm. to get more playing time. So because obviously Valverde seen the quality Dembele has, but Dembele has to put in the time. He has to come in on to training on time. Get that watch, you know. Yeah, he can't be a diva. Can't be a diva you know, limit the fortnight, maybe play six hours as opposed to eight hours, you know, get some sleep. Because as we've seen, you know, not only is he a game changer coming off the bench, but we can really use him going forward. Obviously, we spent so much money on him. You can see the talent. Now, I know we've been frustrated with sometimes how many times he loses the ball, but I mean, how many important goals he scored this season, he's been incredible. And you can just see it didn't phase him in the second half, right? He comes in, he could have just not done anything right he could have, you know pouted and just kind of you know passed the ball but no he scored and you can also see the way the players reacted to as well so they know he's super important to this campaign and i really really hope he kind of changes that tune and is able to become a better professional faster and able to help our team
1: man so uh, i mean i i don't know what's going on with him But if this is true, that he's just spending hours upon hours playing Fortnite and, you know, he's not showing up to training on time and he's clearly not focused entirely on his job and he can still do that. Can you imagine what would happen if he were to become more fully committed to his profession? How like I mean, he could be the next greatest player of all time if he would just, you know, devote a little bit more time to it. I
0: mean, this is always the thing, right? When you're super talented, it comes super easy, and so you don't have to work hard, right? I mean, I always think of uh, Carlos Pugliel, right? He was really good, but when I think of him, it's not talent. It was his grittiness, his hard work, his professionalism, You know, basically bringing the lunch pail every day to practice and that type of attitude. And that's how he had to become a professional. But with Dembele, he has such natural talent. You can see you know, he went to the France national team. He had fun, comes back, he's playing Fortnite. He thinks... You know he's got this whole career lined up, but you know in the back rooms I, I've been hearing and seeing you know that the board is really upset with what he's doing, especially for how much they paid. I mean that's really what it comes down to. Right.
1: Yeah, and it just makes me. Well, it's it's one of the situations because you know I encounter this in in my uh, normal life as a <laughs> as a musician. You see this a lot with musicians too. You know people who are they have natural talent. And they don't do the work to get to that next level. And, you know, he's he's on a squad with a guy who's the perfect example of, of what to do with your natural talent, which is to nurture it, to work hard at it, and you'll be the best of all time so that people will one day when you retire name trophies after you. Exactly.
0: I mean, you know, the best case as we I, I always look to this is Ronaldinho. You know, Ronaldinho had all this talent when he came to Barcelona. He was on fire. But he still had to work because that talent was starting to go away, and he didn't. He just kept continuing to party, and we saw Pep just got rid of him like nothing. And, you know, his career dwindled after that because he always was trying to rely on his talent. So I really – you know, Dembele is still super young. You know, he's only 21 years old, so he's still – hopefully, you know, someone can shake the shit out of him or something just to wake him up, you know, just to – get him on time, you know, because, you know, if it is, you know, at least it's just video games, Brian, if it was partying and like, you know, going to the clubs and stuff, I think
1: that could be a a bigger problem. Yeah, exactly.
0: Because that's definitely harder to change. But the fact that he's at home just playing kind of video games, I mean, that's the rumors that are coming out then that's an easier kind of behavior to tame. Right. And I think it's just a matter of maybe he has to carpool with one of the players to get him to, <laughs> you know,
1: foster that relationship. Maybe TT needs to take care of him or something. Well, you know, it's, it's uh it's really is all up to him. I mean, essentially I, I, I'm just going to say like in my life, I think that unrealized potential has always been sort of the, uh, the hallmark of my life because I, like, had certain talents or certain, you know, proclivities, things I was good at, but that I didn't really work hard at them. And now look at me. <laughs> I'm in I'm in wood panel world in Buffalo, New York. <laughs> and, like, I'm doing okay. I'm just saying. Like, I'm not – I never could have – it's not like I ever could have been, like, a rock star or anything, but – you know it's just it's it's up to you and you know there's a saying in education right which is when the teacher is ready or sorry when the student is ready the teacher appears but
0: oh that's a good, that's a good saying but the like teacher that.
1: has always been there it's just that w- if the student isn't ready they don't see them they don't see what's yeah. available to them so it's it, it really is all up to him you know if if he if he becomes ready while he's still at barcelona then he's going to see all of the resources that are available to him and all the opportunity that really lays before him. It could just be that he's happy to just do what he's doing now. and That's a good if point. If he never changes his point. mind, then he'll have a perfectly mediocre career. And maybe it's not important to him to be, you know, the Roy Hobbs of football. Ooh, that's
0: I, Wow, I, you know, that's the other thing too, right? Because I mean, we're always – Thinking that they want to be the best and maybe he's just perfectly content of what he's doing. You know, he's financially secure, helping his family, playing football. And of course, you know, Fortnite champion, baby.
1: Yeah. Whereas, you know, Messi clearly has always wanted to be the best there ever was. And he is. (laughs) And he is. And done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now this – okay, so going back to this game, we went – well, we got kind of philosophical there for a minute. But coming back to this game and the results. So the draw, this this kept us in first place for the moment. Uh, but Atletico remains just one point behind. Olives are within three points. They're having an incredible season. And by mm-hmm. the time this episode is out, it's possible that Sevilla might actually be at the top of the league. Uh, so it's a very tight league right now. But on the upside, Real Madrid are in sixth place though they're still only five points behind Barcelona.
0: That's that's a good point. And the other thing, too, is, you know, like we said, if if I would have told you Thursday we would have got a 1-1 result at the Wanda, we would have been thrilled, right? I guess it's just a double-edged sword, right? We want to just – we can see the potential of our attacking and then we can get these points and to kind of just get the one point how we did it. So, again, like you said, it's a tight race. Um, at the time of recording right now, Sevilla is up at halftime one nothing.
1: Uh-huh. So we could actually wind up in second place. And, you know, going back to this match, you know, uh, like you say, we we do have all of these attacking options. We do have all of this strength that we could bring into the attack. And maybe we could have scored early. We could have scored in the first half. But at the same time, there were a number of counterattacks that Atletico had in this match in the first half that we broke up because we were so defensive, because Sergio Roberto was backing up Semedo on the right back side of things. Had we been more attacking, it's entirely possible that it could have been a higher scoring game. I think we still would have managed a draw somehow because we just we do have that in us, which is good. That's how we can eke out wins or draws, at least. But, uh, you know, thinking to moments in the first half, we could have been behind way earlier. That's a good point. That's a good point. And, you know,
0: I just want to see Suarez with another partner up there. You know, that's the thing just to – especially against Atletico because Suarez is really tough on defenders and just to see someone else paired up with him I think would have made a big difference. Just one other person, you know. But like you said, you know, I I know that Valverde is really trying to be super defensive, especially since we've allowed so many goals this season more than the last five years or something like that so far. And I get that. And I just think that we just have too much talent to be so conservative. That's my my biggest – My biggest gripe, I guess. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine if we played more with the Real Betis style, but with our players? Can you imagine how many goals we'd score?
0: (laughs) And we would still have control of the midfield. That's the thing, you know? I mean, yeah, that would be fun to play. Yeah. Would be fun to play. Wow. (laughs)
1: I was yeah. wish we, he would do that just like against PSV for, or something, you know, because well, like yeah, we try it out because that's what's happening on Wednesday, right? Is PSV? We could very well clinch our group, and I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to try and clinch it one game ahead, so that we can just have fun against Tottenham, for example. But it, but they're not the strongest team either, and I know we're going to be on the road against PSV, but it might be kind of fun to just throw a bunch of attackers in there, just start off with Messi, Suarez. Dembele. Malcolm.
0: (laughs) That's a good point. You know,
1: just play Arthur. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, why not? Right. Why not?
0: But that's not going to happen. You know, that's not going to happen. So um, that'll be interesting to see on Wednesday. And we're back into the, you know, to the, to the games again, you know, midweek weekend, midweek weekend. So. Uh, you know, I really hope Valverde uses the bench a little bit more and we'll see what comes out of these next games. We still we we need to get some more wins in La Liga just to kind of get some separation, get some momentum back again. You know, because we did awesome when Messi was gone and we kind of lost that again. And we kind of we have to kind of recapture that spirit of just getting maybe two or three wins again to maybe separate us a little bit more from the rest of the group.
1: Yeah, well, that is still a problem, right? The dependence on Messi, but it's not what people thought it was. It's not that we're too dependent on Messi being there. We're too dependent when Messi is there. Mm, yeah. Right? When he's gone, we have the players to step up. But when he's there, that's when – that's that's where Valverde is, I think. If anything, if he's failing at all as a manager, it's helping the rest of the team understand how to play around Messi. Yeah. Or I – mean, and like, that could even be as simple as like don't worry about him. He'll yeah. he'll be there. <laughs> yeah, you just worry about this and this and this. Don't worry about him.
0: He'll take care of things. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, that's the thing, right? Because as we saw in this match last night, he's all over the place, right? He's he's the, he's the one player that's allowed free reign and no discipline on anything because he's so good. He's already taking. He already knows, right? He can backtrack off defense and do those things. But other than other players that did that, you know, they wouldn't be be playing. They would leave defensive liabilities all over and all these types. So we have to, like you said, they have to learn how to play even more. But again, I just think we just need a little bit more help up there for Suarez as well. So that, because you know, that Messi is kind of like that hybrid midfield
1: attacking player. So you, I don't know, Brian, we will, two, three, one. Yeah. <sighs> well, just, just to illustrate the point I was just making, there was one play in particular where, you know, I love Sergio Roberto, you know, he's like my favorite younger player, right? Huge crush on him with his blue eyes. I love Sergio Roberto, but there was this one play where Sergi could have taken the ball forward. He could have done something more dynamic with the ball, but instead what he kept doing over and over and over again was passing the ball to Messi even when Messi would check the ball back to him. He still was obsessed with just get it to Messi, get it to Messi, get it to Messi, and he didn't he didn't take ownership over his own agency in that moment. He kept wanting to like put it off on Messi, and I think that that is at times a problem with this team is that you got too many players who are saying Messi will take care of it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And the other thing too, is you don't want to upset Messi either. Right. So that's, that's the other thing, right. You don't want to not give him the ball, but again, I just think it just really all comes down to the balance and how we're going to, you know, when you look at the field, how you want to do it. And again, it's difficult because if you sacrifice the midfield, Suarez is up there by himself, right? If we put more people up front, we sacrifice the midfield on defensive um, responsibility. So it's the yin and the yang of that. I get that. I just think that you know we have enough talent that we can always win two one or three two. So I'd rather kind of see that match than a one nothing match slugging it out, losing players to injury. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that type that type of match.
1: So for sure. Mm. Special thanks to Max Bluer this week. This has been a production of Barça Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. Remember, we can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barça.